0: Well, amen. We're rolling in the back. Want to make sure we get this? All right, thanks. We've uh, been in a unique series that I've titled, I Am Human. Everyone say, I am human. I am human. And it, what we've done over the last couple of weeks is we've tried to embrace our humanness. To understand that, yes, there's some things that are really good about our lives. There's some things that maybe are not so good, and they're just some ugly parts of our lives, if we're honest, as well. And we're trying, first of all, to accept who we are. There's an acceptance piece that, yeah, okay, we're accepting who we are and what we've done, and really it starts with Jesus and his acceptance of us and his open arms, but then it goes beyond that, that we need to accept ourselves as well. So there's, that's the first part. The second part is taking that message of the cross in asking, what is the proper response to Jesus' acceptance? When he accepts us, opens his arms, what is our response? What is the right response? And we said last week that the right response is repentance. That we are going to repent. We're going to come before the Lord, soften our hearts, and let God save us and move in our lives. Well, this morning we want to take another step in the journey To look at the fruit of the response, the fruit of a proper response. When we look at the cross of Jesus and we respond properly, what is is important for us to understand is that uh, that's where we're going to focus, is the fruit of that. You say, well, what's the problem? What's the problem? Well, the problem is, is that people, all of us, at times, are at risk. And some of you may be experiencing it right now. We get stuck in our lives. We get stuck and we maybe are dealing with some mistakes that we've made or maybe we're feeling forgotten or hopeless or alone. Maybe you've been hurt by someone or abused or abandoned. Maybe you're ready to throw in the towel saying, You know what? I'm done. I've had enough. I can't do it anymore. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you may be struggling with an addiction or struggling with a certain amount of debt or relational strife. And I describe it as being stuck. We don't feel like we're getting any traction, can't move forward. And oftentimes the root issue is this idea of acceptance, that we haven't accepted who we are or we haven't accepted what Jesus has given to us. It's possible for you to struggle in one or more of these areas and no one even knows about it. You could show up this morning, smiles on, and be struggling with one of the most difficult seasons of your life, and we don't think that's healthy. And so we're asking some questions. What if we were to embrace Jesus' acceptance? How does that change our lives? How does repentance change things in our lives? If we have proper response, what does that look like in our lives, and what is the fruit, the result of that response? What could or should that look like? And we've been tracking and looking at a few different stories. The first story that we looked at was in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. We won't take the time to read it in its entirety, but you know the story. It's about the story. This woman was caught in adultery. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, dragged her out, and they were ready to stone her, had stones in their hand, ready to throw at this woman. And Jesus is in the ground, drawing a line in the sand, and he's saying, Whoever's here who hasn't had an ounce of sin, you throw the first stone. And then it says, one by one, her accusers left, one by one. And it was interesting that Jesus, after that, says, where are those who condemn you? And she says, there's no one. Can you imagine just how, how impactful that would have been for that woman? There was no one. And then Jesus said, go and sin No more. He said, Turn from your ways. And it's not explicitly stated, but we can assume that from that point forward, I believe that that woman's life was changed. Do you believe it? That it was changed from the inside out. There was a life changing experience as she received the acceptance from Jesus and received repentance. The second story that we looked at is in Luke chapter nineteen. In fact, I want you to turn there. There's a couple of verses I want to read. It's the story of Zacchaeus, and a great story. And if you weren't here last week, I'd say get online, but we missed it. Uh, we we didn't record. But uh, I might re, I might repreach it and put it online. But it's a great story of Zacchaeus. This a wealthy, wealthy tax collector, and uh, he is a wealthy man, very shrewd, very hard, and uh, known for being dishonest. And what was interesting, if you remember last week, in verse 7, it says all the people saw that, uh, that, that, he was hang- that Jesus had invited him over, and all the people, not just the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, but everybody thought this was a bad dude that who would want to spend time with him, and Jesus was there. And what was interesting, in verse 8, we see uh, Zacchaeus, the fruit of his response. Verse 8 says, but Zacchaeus stood up, there at a table, uh, most likely. He stood up to the, and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the account. And if you remember last week, if you are here, I thought that was the first response from Zacchaeus. But no, really, most scholars believe that Zacchaeus responded to Christ in repentance at the moment he came down, verse 6. So he came down at once and welcomed the Lord, welcomed Jesus gladly. So the first response was salvation, was repentance. But then what was the fruit of that response? What changed in his life? We see that, that he said, you know what? I'm going to give half of my possessions away. And for those that I've cheated, I'm going to pay back four times over. Can anybody say changed life? I mean, repentance is incredible. It was a 180-degree turn. It's the perfect picture of fruit of response, a different life. We can assume that Zacchaeus, we don't hear about Zacchaeus after that, but we can assume that Zacchaeus' life, was changed forever. Changed. Well, I want to take you to a third story this morning and turn with me to Luke chapter 7. Great story. Love this story. And it was a woman that was caught, or not caught, but had lived previously in sin. And let's look at it, starting in verse 36. It says, Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Isn't that great? Jesus, he was with the sinners, he was with the Pharisees, teachers of the law, uh, with his disciples. Uh, He was uh, very, very accepting. Then it says, when a woman who had lived in a sinful life uh, in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisees' house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. What I want you to see here is that it, up in verse uh, 36, I'm sorry, 37, it says that this woman had lived a sinful life. I believe that she had responded already. She had already been forgiven. And Jesus was using this, this story and uh, this picture to show us there's something very important. But as she responded, she did something extravagant. Took a jar of alabaster oil and a perfume and poured it. Her tears uh, were, were wetting Jesus' feet. And the Pharisees that were there had a fit. Let's continue to read verse 39. It says, When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man was a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is that she is a sinner. All right? Fingers all on on the woman. And Jesus answered, "'Simon, I have uh, something to tell you. "'Tell me, teacher,' he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. "'One owed him 500 denarii, and the other 50. "'Neither of them had the money to pay him back, "'so he canceled the debts of both. "'Now which of them will love him more?' Simon replied, I suppose the one with the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And this is the point of this story the, of, of extravagant love, the response, the fruit of the response. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? The woman that's broken this bottle of perfume, that her tears are covering Jesus' feet. He says, I have come into the, your house. You did not give me any water for my feet but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. These are all would have been customary things in that culture. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. Response, and she loved much. She loved much. We're going to come back to this in a moment, or in a, in a few moments. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say to themselves, who is this that he can even forgive sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The fruit of response. What has changed? A changed life, extravagant love. And what's interesting is the Pharisees, They were pointing the fingers. They were the ones who thought that they were okay. But they were the ones that really needed God's love the most. So incredible stories change lives. It doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor or if you've been caught, exposed in your sin or you've been living with your sin and no one knows. God's love, His acceptance is here for you today. He wants you to respond in repentance and then, for those of us that have done that, we need to be able to say beyond that, what is the fruit of that response? That extravagant type of love. Each story embraces our humanness, our, accepts Jesus' forgiveness. That response to with um, repentance, and then the fruit of response is that changed life. Now, it's interesting, as we've been tracking in this um, uh, about a week and a half ago, there was all this buzz about. Uh, about something that was coming out, something that was kind of uh, life-changing on TV. And uh, how many heard that uh, about a week and uh, a couple days ago, Billy Graham spoke and addressed America for the last time? Was anyone aware of that? Okay, so some of you guys were aware of that, and I knew kind of coming up in the season, I was preaching, I am human, and, and, uh, and kind of watching for that, um, bef- and so before the event that happened, I, I was able to, uh, I knew that it was coming, but we don't have a TV that works at our house, so I missed it. Well, I came to church last Sunday, and we preached this idea of repentance. And two or three people came up to me after service and said, Pastor, did you see this uh, presentation, Billy Graham's address uh, from his home? It was incredible. The testimonies, all of this. And that happened at church. And I'm thinking, no, but I, I should probably watch that. Then Sunday night, I go hiking with a few guys, and uh, we're, we're talking about Billy Graham again. I'm saying, what's going on here? And uh, someone had heard the testimony and saying, man, if we could, if we could get that, um, to to watch that, to hear that, to experience that, wouldn't that be incredible? And so I said, I said, Pastor Pete, Brandon, we got to watch this. And uh, on Tuesday, we had the chance this last Tuesday to sit down and get our minds around what happened. It was online. And so we looked into it and uh, figured out that we were able to to do that, to watch it, and then... uh, and as we watched it, we understood that it fit perfectly in this message series. It's powerful. It's a timely message. This uh, spiritual awakening for America, the power of the cross. And there's two testimonies in it, one by Lacey uh, Sturum and then the other by Lecrae, two performers, Christian performers, and then their stories. And, the, and, and what, I, what we kind of said on, on Tuesday, we said, you know what, we've got to show this. We've got to incorporate this into the message on Sunday. And so that's what we're going to do. But before we watch it, I want to uh, kind of pick our brains and want to encourage you to be looking for a couple things. I want you to notice a couple things. One is that kind of follows with the series. Look for the acceptance piece with the offer of forgiveness. That they were accepted and there was an offer of forgiveness. Then look for the proper response. Look for the repentance. Look for the brokenness in the stories. And then look for the changed life. That's what we're going to focus on this morning as we wrap up in a few moments. The fruit of response that changed life. And so personally, I believe that for each and every one of us, there's a message in the next few moments uh, from Billy Graham. I believe that for some, we need to embrace that acceptance still to accept who we are, what Christ has done, we need. some of us will need to respond today, no doubt, and we want to give you that opportunity. But then for those of us that are believers, we want to look at our lives and say, where is the fruit in response? I am human, but I have been changed. Let's go to the bringing hope to America. Here we go.
1: For 60 years, my father, Billy Graham, preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at 95, he has a message that he would like to share with you right here from his home. And it's a message I believe that can change your life and change the direction of this nation. Young Billy Graham hailed another Billy
2: Sunday. Reverend Billy Graham, one of the most inspirational spiritual leaders of the 20th century. We need you, we love you. Thank you for coming, Billy Graham. Would you welcome your evangelist,
1: father, educator, Dr. Billy Graham. Our recipient, the man who honors us by being here today. What is your purpose? Go into the whole world and proclaim this message. shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.
3: As I look back over my life it's full of surprises I never thought I would become friends with people in different countries all over the world I see how God's hand guided me when I began preaching many years ago It is not with any thoughts that I'd be preaching to large audiences.
1: Come to the cross!
3: God has done this.
1: Christ is alive! Modern America today, there
3: is a vacuum of the soul. Our country's in great need of a spiritual awakening. Well, there have been times that I've wept as I've gone from city to city and I've seen how far people have wandered from God. Of all the things that I've seen and heard, there's only one message that can change people's lives and hearts.
1: There is a way if you come by the way of the cross. The cross. The
3: cross. I want to tell people about the meaning of the cross, not the cross that hangs on a wall or around someone's neck.
1: We receive our freedom. Purchased by the ransom at the cross.
3: But the real cross of Christ.
1: The cross expresses the great love of God for man. It's
3: scarred and blood-stained. His was a rugged cross. His
1: real purpose for coming was to die.
3: I know that many will react to this message, but it is the truth. And with all my heart, I want to leave you with the truth.
1: God says, I love you. I love you. I love you with an everlasting
3: He loves you, willing to forgive you of all your sins.
1: On our churches, we have a cross. It's embossed on our Bibles.
2: I thought the cross was a relic. It was a medallion on a necklace at best. It's
1: an ornament that we wear around our necks, Christians and non-Christians.
4: The cross really didn't have any meaning to me except for something artistic that rock stars wore.
1: but talk about the depth and the real meaning of the cross and it becomes an offense why is that
3: the cross is offensive because it confronts people even so it's a confrontation that all of us must face
2: I was really hurting and just didn't understand the source of all my pain and and problems. I spent my whole life just burdened for something. Hungering for something, thirsting after, chasing this thing that I couldn't put my finger on, ultimately. I was abused by older people, some in the family, some outside of the family. So as I got older, I always talked back. I always got into fights. My whole world was surrounded by guns and drugs and gangs. I remember in front of all my friends, just telling them to watch this, and as a lady... Uh, was driving down the street, I jumped in the middle of the street and pointed the gun right at her just to see her panic and freak out. And it was just me seeking power.
4: My mom always told me about God. I think I had an idea that God was big and good, but as time went on and I saw more and more tragic things happen around me. I think that was the beginning of me just questioning everything about life and about God. When I was 10 years old, my stepdad came to pick me up and he said that my cousin, Kelly, was dead. I remember being so mad and really just, just deciding that if God was big and good, why wouldn't he protect my cousin who was so tiny and so awesome, such a funny, brilliant little guy. Why wouldn't God protect him from a huge muscle guy like his stepdad who beat him to death?
3: I look out across an audience when I stand up to preach And I think of all the people with their different backgrounds and their various needs. And I know that they are objects of God's mighty love. To the point that He gave His Son, His only Son, to die upon a cross. And the cross was the most terrible form of execution by the Romans for criminals. And Jesus endured all that in our place because of our sins. We deserve the cross. We deserve hell. We deserve judgment and all that that means. I know that there are many people that dispute that. People don't want to hear that they're sinners. To many people, it's an offense. The cross is offensive because it directly confronts the evils which dominate so much of this world.
1: You see, the Bible teaches that all of us are wrong. We've all gone astray. We've everyone turned to his own way. And when we turn to our own way, we go astray from God's way. And that includes the whole human race. And that's why the world is in such terrible danger right now it's not dangerous so much because we have atomic bombs it's dangerous because of the human hearts back of the bombs filled with envy and hate and strife and greed and lust and all the other things that could pull the trigger
4: I remember thinking that same year that my cousin died about the depth of the evil in the world. I never wanted to have kids. It was just a new person to suffer. That was the year I started to cry myself to sleep every night and stopped believing in God. I couldn't get away from my own depression. So I started studying other religions. There was a lot of nice ideas, but there wasn't any tangible healing. And I remember thinking, I'm tired of the pain in my heart. I'm tired of going to bed that way. I'm tired of feeling like a burden. I'm just tired of not knowing why I'm alive. And so I remember the night I laid in bed, And I knew I was gonna commit suicide the next day. I knew that I was not gonna live past tomorrow.
2: By 16, I was getting high on a daily basis and got involved with uh, woman after woman after woman. And you know, when you mix drugs, you mix alcohol, you mix youth, it's cause for an explosion. mother was really concerned about me. I remember she just grabbed a Bible and said, I don't know what to do, but you just need to read this Bible. You know, I remember taking the pages of the Bible and just ripping them out and throwing them on the ground and saying, I don't care about your God. I don't care about this. This isn't mean anything to me.
3: One reason that the cross is a defense to people is because it demands, doesn't suggest, it demands a new lifestyle in all of us. Sin is a disease in the human heart. It affects the mind and the will and the emotions, every part of our being is affected by this disease how can we break this bondage how can we be set free God helps us break those chains the Bible says if any man be in Christ he is a new creature old things pass away everything becomes new it can make you a totally new person
4: On the day that I planned to commit suicide, I came home from school and my grandma was there and she wasn't supposed to be there. And she looked at me and said, there's something wrong with you. You're gonna go to church. I was like, no way, I'm going to church. And she screamed at the top of her lungs like we were fighting back and forth and I just didn't wanna listen to her yell anymore. And so I decided, fine, I'll go. And then afterwards, I'll go ahead and follow through with my plan. So I went to the back of the church and slumped down in my chair and hated everybody in the room. And the pastor started speaking, and I hated him more than anyone. And he says, there's a suicidal spirit in the room. And of course, all the hair stood up on the back of my neck, and I was, well, this is really weird. <laughs> and I got up and went to the door. A white-headed man is standing there, and he stopped me, and was like, the Lord wants me to speak to you. He wants you to know that even though you've never known an earthly father, that God will be a better father to you than any earthly father could ever be. God knows the pain in your heart. He's seen you cry yourself to sleep at night. The idea was so overwhelming to me. He's like, do you want me to pray for you? So that Jesus can take the pain out of your heart. He put his hand on my shoulder and started to pray. It was as if the God of the universe showed up right in front of me. And the first thing I noticed was that God was holy and good. And the second thing I noticed was that I was so not holy and not good.
2: I was in a really dark place. I was really lonely, really depressed. And a friend of mine reached out and invited me to a conference. And I'm thinking, why not? My mind was blown when I got there. I had never seen anything like it. I saw guys with with bullet wounds and ex-gang members who loved Jesus, and I had never seen anything like that before. And so uh, I was intrigued. I'll never forget the pastor. You know, he started talking about Jesus. And in talking about him in an intense way that I had never thought about before, I had never just imagined Jesus as a real person going through real things. I just kind of thought of him as this very off distant person, but he brought it home to me and he started talking about Jesus um, being beaten and being whipped for a crime he didn't commit and the skin being ripped off his back and him having to in the midst of his pain carry this cross of this mountain of a skull and being pinned to this cross it was so vivid and visual to me I could. I, it was like I could see this happening to Jesus and I remember him saying like how dare you tough guys call my Jesus a punk you know like look at what he went through and then the preacher said do you not know you've been bought with the price and it just came to a head it was like wow
3: on that cross God was laying on Jesus our sins they not only put nails in his hands but before that they'd scourged him a Roman scourge was a terrible thing they took and pellets on those whips and beat a person almost to death. And then they took that cross and made him carry the cross, which was in his weakened condition was almost impossible. But he carried that cross to a place outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem and then they put nails in his hands. But that was not the real suffering. The real suffering is when he said, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In that terrible moment, he and God, the Father, were separated. He shed his blood. And the shedding of that blood carries with it God's very
1: life. The blood is the meeting place between God and man. And the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. And that's what Christ was doing on the cross. He was making atonement for our sins. And he was shedding his blood. Now, when you take the blood out, that means you're giving your life. And that's what it means. It means the life of Christ. The cross and the resurrection of Christ offers forgiveness of sin, offers a whole new life, and offers you eternal life if you come to the cross by repentance and faith.
2: Jesus literally took all of this on his own back for me. You know, I remember bowing out, just head touching the ground, and saying, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. But one step led to another, which led to another. And, you know, I was back drinking and sleeping around with women. And the conviction that I was now feeling was so strong. And I remember driving on the highway just thinking to myself, God, you got to do something. Because if you don't do something, I I might hurt myself or hurt somebody else. I don't know what's going to happen, but just don't kill me. I get cut off by a truck and my truck just starts tipping until it flips over and starts rolling fast. The glass is coming in, the windshield cracks. I'm not wearing a seatbelt at all, so I'm kind of floating around the car. And I looked myself over. there was just a piece of glass stuck in my arm and I pulled it out and that was it. I said, Lord, I need to get with you, I need you to change me, I need you to really make this real, and I need to stop running from you. I was genuinely trying to know him more and read my Bible and grow, and I really began to be a passionate Christ follower. But you set me free, oh. I gave you no reason to give me new I realized you don't earn righteousness, that none of us is righteous, not even one, and that our works are like filthy rags to God. Jesus lived the life I could not live and died the death I should have died. You know, that, that gets me every time, just to think, man. I gain everything by putting my trust in him.
4: If God had looked at me and said, go away forever, he would have been right. It would have been just as. The same time I felt that, I felt him inviting me to an embrace of grace and love, unconditional. It was like God was saying, I love you. I know you're tired of the way you've been living, and I will make you new if you will let me. My heart was just, yes. It just said, yes, I I need that. I want that. Please. And that's why I woke up the next day just felt such a peace and a joy almost that I'd never felt before. Jesus saved my life, and on top of everything else, the life of my son and the new baby. That wouldn't be if Jesus hadn't intervened and rescued me. The most overwhelming thing is to think that Jesus became sin and it was my sin and it was things that I've done. The hell on the cross, it was things that I've done. He hung naked on a cross bleeding in a shameful way so that I would never have to be shamed for the things that I've done the truth is the truth is there is no other way besides Christ and what he did there is no life outside of that
3: There is no other way of salvation except through the cross of Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. The only way to the Father, Father God, is through his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, why Jesus? He's the only one that was born into this world without sin, but more than that, he was a righteous one, and when you come to him, you're clothed in his righteousness. God no longer sees your sin. He no longer sees your own heart. He sees Jesus.
1: Now I don't understand all about it. There are many things about the cross and about salvation that I do not understand. And I'm not told that I have to understand it all. I'm told that I'm to believe. And anybody can believe. A blind man can believe. A deaf man can believe. An old person can believe. A young person can believe. And that word believe means commit. I commit my life totally to him. Jesus Christ from the cross says I will save you I will forgive you I will change you I'll make you a new person if you come to the cross by repentance and faith come to Christ
3: when you come to Christ you come by the way of repentance repent means to change to change your way of living and turn from your sins and turn to Jesus Christ and say, I'm a sinner, I need forgiveness, and I know that you're the only one that can change me.
4: Home went dark that violent day the whole earth quaked at lost display three days This part
1: The Bible says, in spite of our rebellion and rejection, God loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his son to die for your sins. And when Christ died on that cross, he became guilty of lying. He became guilty of slander. He became guilty of jealousy. He became guilty of the most filthy, dirty sins. Christ took the hell that you and I deserve. Now, God said, receive him. Believe in him. Put your trust and your confidence in him, and I will forgive your sins, and I will guarantee you eternity in heaven. It's all yours, and it's all free. All you have to do is receive. It.
3: Today, I'm asking you to put your trust in Christ. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer, sentence by sentence, after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you've died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins. I repent of my sins. I invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: He's alive! I've given my life not to a dead Christ, but to a living
0: Christ. Amen. Well, whether you've seen that for the first time or... message is a message of hope for us, and it really demands a response. And maybe this morning, you responded uh, with an acceptance, saying, God, I'm, I accept who I am, I, and I accept your forgiveness that you offer. And I'm wondering how many this morning may have done that, and we'll, we'll see here in just a moment. But I want to ask the question, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you through this message, this idea that we're human, and then the testimony, taking that acceptance and then properly responding in salvation, and taking it a step further, saying, okay, the fruit of our lives. Boy, Lecrae and uh, the other uh, woman there Lacey, Strong, highly successful musicians making a difference for the kingdom of God. And what's so cool is that they were changed. They were changed. And this morning, you may need to turn your heart to the Lord, and uh, we want to give you that opportunity in just a moment. But I want to speak to believers here for a second as well, because I think there's a message here for us as well. This whole idea that I am human really birthed out of the idea that, okay, I'm broken, I'm hurting. I may have done things or continue to do things that don't make sense. But I believe that God wants to use us just the way we are in our humanness. And I believe that God wants to do that in a powerful way this morning. Um, And he's speaking to us. And I believe he's calling us to step it up Step it up in our lives. We're reading a book on Wednesday nights for Bible study called Crazy Love. This last week, it talked about being obsessed with Jesus. And uh, it's kind of a hard concept to get our minds around. Uh, But uh, Francis Chan in the book, he says, obsessed is to have the mind excessively preoccupied with a single emotion or topic. And he asked us the question this last Wednesday, why not be totally sold out to God, to Jesus, And the power of Christ, changing not only your life, but changing the life of those around you? And that's where I want to end um, this morning. So with your head bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask that uh, you may have uh, already responded, kind of breathed that prayer with Billy Graham. Uh, there's no one better to lead you in that prayer that's, that's for sure but I like to say it's not the words of that prayer that save you, it's believing it's putting your faith in God and uh, just if you're here this morning you're saying man that's where I am today I either prayed that prayer or I need to pray a prayer like that um, would you just lift your hand this morning, I want to I pray for you sure, anyone else? God is moving, sure. You can put your hands down. Anyone else saying that, boy, that's where I am today. Lord, save me. Capture my heart again. Capture my heart. Okay. There were two, and we're going to pray here in just a minute with them. But I think for all of us, is that fruit of the response that if Christ has really made a difference in your life, if he's saved you, taken away the sin, and there's been a repentance, what should your life look like? What's the fruit? And maybe you can take a hard look at your life and say, man, there's not a whole lot of fruit for God in my life right now. And I'm just wondering how many would be honest enough to say, boy, I struggle with that right there there's not a whole lot in my life that is glory glorifying God. Would you just be honest enough with the heads bowed, eyes closed, maybe just to lift your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. Yeah, sure. Lots of hands, sure. Yeah. You can put your hands down. And the question is, is why wouldn't you be sold out completely? Crazy love, Obsessed changed lives, not only in your own life, but in the lives of others. And I'm just interested to know, if you're here this morning, and you'd be interested in saying, God, use me like you've never used me before, help my changed life be willing to change others. By saying yes to that this morning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's the power of the cross that does this. And what I'd like to do is I'm going to ask that you would stand with me this morning. And we're going to sing through a song that has become a staple here over the last couple months. And it really focuses on the cross. And as we respond, I'm going to just ask that you would just cry out to the Lord and let Him change you from the inside out and let your life. Can be an example. And then we'll close with this. Brandon,
5: let's sing Man of Sorrows. Man of sorrows, Lamb of God, by his own betrayed. The sin of man. The sin of man and wrath of God has been. Jesus lay silent, oh, silent as he stood accused, beaten, mocked, and scorned, bowing to, oh, and bowing to the Father's will. Rugged cross, my salvation. Where Your love poured out over me, and now my soul cries out, Hallelujah! Praise and honor unto Thee, and all oh, that. Run salvation where your love poured out over me and now my soul cries out to purchase and redeem and reconcile and reconcile the very ones who nailed him to that tree and all that rugged cross my salvation where your love That is paid It is paid in full By the precious blood That my Jesus spilled Now the curse of sin Has no hold on me Whom the Son sets free always oh, is free indeed Now my debt is paid it is paid in full by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled. Now the curse of sin has no hold on me. Whom the sun sets free, always oh, free indeed. All oh, that rugged cross, my salvation.
0: you to do a bold thing. Many of you have raised your hands a few minutes ago saying, yes, you want your life to mean something that not only your life being changed but the opportunity for others to be changed because of that. What I'm going to ask that you do, if that's your heart this morning, saying, Boy, I want to make a difference. I'm going to ask that you just slip out of your seat and kind of find yourself at the front here just for a moment. And what we're going to do, we're going to close with a prayer a commissioning prayer that, yes, we're human, but, yes, we have been changed. Our lives have been changed, and, yes, we can make a difference as well. And so just as the Lord leads you, if you want to be part of that, I want to just encourage you just to slip out where you are and just to come forward. And we're not going to be laborless, and I understand the time. But if that's your heart this morning, I just want you to come and fill the altar and we're going to ask the Lord to help us to move beyond where we are to take the message of this song the message of the cross into our own lives wherever we go let's pray Lord I thank you that you have accepted us just the way we are in all of our humanness broken, beaten down hurting abandoned and Lord again I pray for those that are stuck today that maybe feel like they've lost traction that God today they would get back on track and Lord that you would help them but Lord your acceptance with that there's the gift of forgiveness and God we embrace your forgiveness today we accept your forgiveness and Lord we repent of our sins Lord, I pray that you would uh, cleanse our minds and our bodies, cleanse our souls, clean us up from the inside out. God, I pray where we struggle, God, that we would get traction and be able to be victorious over the sin that so easily entangles us. And God, I pray, Lord, that once we received your acceptance and we've responded properly, that our lives would be fruitful our lives would be fruitful. If you're interested in your life being fruitful for the Lord, just lift your hands to the Lord here for a moment. God, I pray that you would pour out your Spirit upon us from the front to the back. God, that there would be just a, a commissioning into our spirits, God, that our lives would mean something to other people. God, that we would be bold as lions. God, that we would speak up. We would stand up. Lord, that we would be obsessed with you. Why not be sold out? God, help us to embrace the message today and to take the power of the cross wherever we go. And God, I pray that just across this room, across the front all the way to the back, Lord, that you would be pouring your spirit into us. We pray it. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Let's sing that, oh, the rugged cross.